0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit amen good morning homily this morning is about the cost of discipleship and I like to think of these these uh, three Sundays following Pentecost uh, as a kind of uh, series on discipleship built into the Lectionary that we use. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And then today, to come and to follow Christ. And next week, um, uh, can't remember. It's from the Sermon on the Mount. I can't remember exactly, but I think if we pay close attention to these things. We can see that we are being challenged in our discipleship of Christ. The verse I would like to hone in on is this verse. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And the main point I would like to make is that the Lord gathers pearls in darkness. Now that may not make much sense right now, but hopefully by the conclusion that will make some sense. The Lord gathers pearls in darkness. St. Nikolai opens his commentary of this gospel lesson with these words. Why are people always in a hurry? People are always in a hurry, but God is not in a hurry. I can remember back in the 90s uh, hiring an old World War II veteran, Howard Burns, to take me out on Kachuma Lake to teach me how to fish the lake. And he took me out four times. And then, of course, I had to have my own boat, and so I, I bought a used, one of those 14-foot Greger aluminum boats with the little tiller, you know, in the back. It was good enough. It got me out there. So I came back in one day, and, and Howdy was, was docking his boat, and he saw me coming in. He says, hey, John, how do you like your new boat? I said, well, it gets me out there where I want to go, but it's not very fast. Well, who's in a hurry, he said. I, it's like I had forgotten why I was even going out there. It's like every time I get on the lake, it's a bass tournament, you know. And so I was going out there. I needed to be reminded to go out there to relax. People are always in a hurry. To see the success of their efforts as quickly as possible. In the stock market, I want to invest 10000 today a day and see it double in a week or a month. Or otherwise, I grow impatient. But God is neither quick nor slow. God has his own rhythm. He sows in one generation and reaps in the next generation. The generation in which he sows thinks God is moving very slowly. But the generation in which God reaps thinks God is moving quickly. God sees and acts in the big picture. But we have a hard time seeing the big picture. Saint Nikolai says this: Had Christ acted after the manner of men, he would have chosen twelve. He would not have chosen twelve fishermen to be his apostles, but rather twelve kings of the earth. If he had been like men, where he have wanted immediate success for his efforts to harvest the fruits of his labors, he could, by his irresistible power, have converted. Twelve of the most powerful kings in the world and made them his followers and his apostles. Just think how Christ would in a moment have become known all the world over and how quickly his teaching would have spread throughout the world. How the idols would through imperial decree have disappeared in a flash. And how the pagan temples would have been transformed into churches and how animal sacrifices to the gods would have ceased and the smoke of the blood sacrifices have been replaced by that of incense. Think how easily the church of the one living God would have been established for the whole human race without having to suffer. Christ would then have taken the one and only imperial throne from which he would have reigned through the twelve subject kings as his representatives over all the peoples of the earth, the whole world from the east to the west, from the north to the south. But he didn't do it that way. He gives us an illustration of a giant who uproots this big oak tree in the mountains and he takes it down into the valley and he replants it into the valley, sort of. As long as the giant held up this big tree, everything was fine, but as soon as he moved away, the wind blew it over and flattened it because there were no roots and there was no resilience. Here's the contrast offered. How wise was it of Christ to start from the bottom and not from the top? How wise was it to begin building the kingdom not with kings but with fishermen. How good and salutary it is for us who living 2,000 years after his earthly life that he did not see the final success of his work nor harvest the fruits of his labors during his earthly lifetime. He did not wish like the giant. He did not wish to transplant an enormous tree all at once on earth but wanted like a simple farm laborer to bury the seed of the tree deep in the darkness of the earth and then go home home to his father and that is what he did the lord buried the seed of the tree of life not only in the darkness of the simple galilean fisherman but in the darkness of hell itself and went his way, and the tree grew very, very slowly. Furious winds buffeted it in an attempt to break it, but without success. Enemies cut the tree right down, but the root put forth more and more shoots. More of it was hacked at, and the more determinedly and quickly it grew. Speaking, of course, of the church. The enemy's host dug down deep into the earth, deeper than the catacombs, to dig and root it out, but the more they pulled at it, the more resistant the root became, the more shoots it put forth, the thicker the shoots it produced. Therefore, Christ's tree, planted in God's way, not man's, still blooms and comes into leaf today after 2,000 years, and it produces a sweet Fruit for men and angels shines forth in the freshness and beauty as though it had been planted only a generation ago. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus knew the condition of these apostles' hearts. This is how God acts with us all. He will not put pressure on us to follow the path of salvation, but leaves us freely, according to our own perception, to choose the path of salvation or that of of destruction. But when God who sees our hearts has taken care to set our hearts on the right path, on the way of salvation, then He firmly draws us along in this way. When he sees our hearts and he, and he knows our hearts and he set us on the path, then he deals with us firmly. We should ask ourselves today, when we once again count the cost of discipleship here in this place, has our Lord Jesus Christ planted the seed of St. Athanasius Orthodox Church? Deep. Deep into the darkness of the soul of this south coast? Has that great tree grown very, very slowly? Have the winds buffeted it? Have the enemies, whether visible or invisible, attempted to cut it down or pull it up by the roots? We know, don't we? <laughs> We know who have been here a long time. Can St. Athanasius Church still bloom, still bear leaves, produce sweet fruit, shine forth in the freshness and beauty? The answer is a simple and emphatic yes, it can. But will it? I would like to read you two passages, one from Father Alexander Schmemann and the other from St. Nikolai, that speak of the patience, endurance, and fervent prayer, obedience over individual feelings, and of our acceptance of the place in which God has planted us to grow and flourish in Him. And while I would not wish to imply that is it is always wrong to move away from Santa Barbara. I'm one to talk. We moved to the valley 15 years ago. But this parish is still my spiritual home. This is my home. And this is the altar to which I've always been attached, wherever I was serving. I would say that we should consider that the Lord has planted us here in this soil for a purpose, that of our our own salvation and the salvation of our neighbors. In his booklet, On the Mission of Orthodoxy, published by Conciliar Press many years ago, Father Alexander offered, among other insights, vows for today. And after he first talked about prayer and obedience, then he offered another vow on acceptance. He says this third vow could be described in terms of one spiritual author as digging one's own hole. So many people want to do anything except precisely what God wants them to do. For to accept this and perhaps even to discern it is one of the greatest spiritual difficulties. It's very significant that ascetical literature is full of warnings against changing places, against leaving monasteries for other better ones, against the spirit of unrest and the constant search for better external conditions. Again, what we need today is to relate to a church, to the church and to Christ, our lives, our professions, our unique combination of factors, which... God gives us as our examination of which we alone can pass or fail. St. Nikolai offers this story in his uh, reflection of June 14th, quoting St. John Chrysostom: A place will not save us if we do not carry out the will of God. A place will not save us if we do not carry out the will of God. It is told of a monk who lived in a monastery where five brethren loved him and one of brother offended him. Because of this one brother who offended him, he moved to another monastery. However, in this monastery, eight of the brethren loved him and two of the brothers offended him. And then he fled to a third monastery. But then seven brothers loved him and five brothers offended him. And he set out for a fourth monastery. But along the way he thought, how long will I flee from place to place? I will never find peace in the whole world. It would be better for me to become patient. He pulled out a piece of paper and wrote in bold letters. I will endure all for the sake of Jesus Christ, Son of God. And when he entered the fourth monastery, here some of them loved him and others offended him, but he patiently endured all the offenses. And as soon as someone offended him, he would take out that piece of paper and read, I will endure all. For the sake of Christ Jesus, Son of God. And so with patience, he succeeded and all loved him, and he remained in that monastery until his death. So today, how might we apply this lesson on discipleship and following Jesus Christ in our own lives? We have to ask ourselves, I believe, what does God see when he looks into my heart? Does he know what I will do if he issues a command? Let us listen to the voice of the Lord as he calls each of us, as he once did the Galilean fisherman. follow me. And let us become doers of the law and not just hearers, As St. Paul exhorts, those who would become righteous and justified before God, let us not hesitate for a moment, but immediately leave all of our old labors and our old loves, all that binds us to the earth, and follow Him. Let us bow down before the Lord Jesus and cry to Him, as many of the sick and the weak did in those days, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Maybe someone is here today counting the cost, the cost of discipleship, counting the cost of what it will mean for me and my family and my friends if I decide to join this church, It will cost us everything. It will cost us everything that binds us to the earth and prevents us from following Him completely. And we all have to do this daily. Is it worth it? Absolutely, yes. It is worth it. And so I would like to encourage you, make that decision today. Together with us, that you will go all the way into full church membership and entrance into the sacramental grace of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Let yourself be caught in the Lord's net. And in doing so, you too may become, along with the holy and great apostles of Christ, a fisher of men. O Lord Jesus Christ, our God, have mercy on us sinners. Forgive us, O Lord, our countless sins. Cleanse us by thy power. Nourish us with thy life-giving bread. Enter into the innermost depths as fresh, pure air in a stifling room. And we shall be healed and shall live. May we become small pearls in thy kingdom, harvested from obscurity. And may thy name be glorified in the strength of our souls and the purity of our bodies, together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen.